0: I preach on humility, I think, fairly regularly, I think in part because it's one of the most misunderstood of the Christian virtues. I think in the broad sort of cultural understanding, there's a sense of humility, you know, people who don't brag about themselves or talk about themselves, and that's part of it, but I think also it can be mistaken for just having a low opinion of oneself, you know, that that somehow is is humble, you know, when people don't... Uh, value themselves and that's not that's not Christian humility. Christian humility is the desire to know the truth about oneself good and bad and that's really what what defines it it's the desire to know the truth And I, I thought of humility especially when I was reading uh, the first reading today from from the Old Testament, it says, the one who bears the sore of leprosy shall keep his garments rent and his head bare, and he shall muffle his beard, and shall cry out, unclean, unclean. As long as the sore is on him, he shall declare himself unclean, since he is in fact unclean. And I was really struck by that last line, since he is in fact unclean. Why would someone go through this whole ritual and say these things and do these things? Because he's unclean. Why why else? And what the Old Testament talks about in in a physical condition, and in the Gospel too, the the leprous man is a physical ailment, but those two also in Scripture stand for spiritual ailments or spiritual sickness. That's sort of a a second layer of meaning uh, to, to the text. And so there's this, I think, sort of exhortation, or, yeah, this command to, to sort of name our uncleanness, to name our sin, as part of real humility. And it's not something that's easy to do. You know, humility is, is one of those very essential virtues. Um, Theologians say it's the ground of all the other virtues because they all grow in truth, Um, but it is in a way one of the least pleasant of the virtues, you know, oftentimes because it makes us um, either look at our sins and and faults that we would rather not look at, um, or sometimes the the pain of humility is admitting the fact that we have some kind of goodness and and we are loved. I see that too a lot, that sometimes that is the thing that people are reluctant to to grasp onto and and to admit but i think it's good to to confront the the truth of ourselves you know if we have trouble accepting compliments it's good to work at accepting them and similarly with our faults it's it's good in a sense to confront them and to see them and i remember some of you may remember this example I gave maybe two years ago in, in a homily, but I was talking to someone who was very dear to me and who had struggled uh, for many years with uh, very deep depression and, and suicidal thoughts. Like very, very, very powerful. And, you know, by grace had uh, grown a lot and made a lot of progress You know, was still struggling, but had been able to uh, do a post undergrad program in writing and was applying to jobs and all this sort of thing. And uh, sent his application in somewhere, and the, uh, the lady who was handling the applications uh, gave him a call back and left a, a message on his phone, his voicemail, you know, saying, thanks for your application, blah, 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 call me back, I have some questions. And then she hung up. She thought she hung up. She didn't actually hang up. And there was another person in the office, and as soon as she thought she hung up, she immediately started Rubbishing this person I knew to the other person. I'm just saying all this like terrible stuff about him and his application and like, you know, the kind of person she thought he was <laughs> and, and And There's this, this guy that I know and, and he now has this on his voicemail And he's listening to this And he, and he talked to me just a, a short while later after that happened and he said, you know here I am struggling every day with this voice in my head that's telling me all these terrible things about myself. And now it's on my voicemail. <laughs> in a voice not my own. But he said, you know, it was, it was good. Like, it forced me to actually confront those things. And he said, I called her back. <laughs> and I told her what was on my voicemail. And she was mortified and horribly apologetic. But there was something, like, very powerful about that experience of being confronted in this outward way and and having to, to deal with that and meet that and uh, I think to confront some difficult truths and, and even the fact that he was wrestling with them. But it's tough. I think one of the things that, you know, if the Christian conception of humility is truth, one of the things that most aids that is faith, Christian faith, the knowledge of God made flesh in Jesus Christ and therefore a God who we see how he loves sinners, how he loves the weak, those who are suffering. And I I think the gospel today is a beautiful encapsulation of that. So we get this this leprous man who uh, runs up to Jesus and kneels down and begs him, you know, if you wish, you can make me clean. And the Greek is interesting here because the 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 if you wish uh, is thelo in Greek, and the commentary on the on the Greek says um, this is a very strong form of the verb to choose. You know, so it'd be like you're saying I I really want I'm going to have Italian for dinner tonight. It's a very strong sort of choice. It's not passive. It's not like yeah, I could have Italian tonight, sure. That's very passive, a passive acceptance. Which um, is not nothing, but it's not a strong choice. Uh, this word in Greek really has to do with sort of, it's a reference to election. Like, I'm voting for so-and-so, I choose this person. And so what the, the leprous beggar is saying to Jesus, you know, he's saying, if you choose, if you really will it, if you want to, from the depth of your heart, you can make me clean. And it also this also gives power to Jesus' response because what does he say? I do will it be made clean. And so Jesus is choosing him. And I think knowing that Jesus chooses sinners and chooses to love them gives us the courage to be humble, to seek out our faults, to know the truth about ourselves, because we know at the end of the day, no matter what we find, A, God already knows, and B, he already loves us, and so we can, we can look. <clears throat> I think St. Ber- St. Bernard of Clairvaux, who lived about a thousand years ago, doctor of the church, abbot, great scripture commentator, he summed it up nicely when he said, The world rages, the flesh is heavy, and the devil lays his snares but I do not fall, for my feet are planted on firm rock. I may have sinned gravely, my conscience would be distressed, but it would not be in turmoil, for I would recall the wounds of the Lord. He was wounded for our iniquities. What sin is there so deadly that it cannot be pardoned by the death of Christ? And so, if I bear in mind this strong, effective remedy, I can never again be terrified by the malignancy of sin." And I think what all that means is I know Jesus loves me, and so I can face my sins. That's the whole thing. Now, the thing about humility, says St. Thomas Aquinas, is it affects our minds and how we think about ourselves, but humility does not live in the head, it lives in the heart, because it's about the desire to know the truth about ourselves. It's the desire. Desires belong here. And so, that means that humility has to be a choice that's made over and over again. The desire has to be renewed over and over again, and as we discover more about ourselves, we have to desire to live out of that truth, not simply to know things as facts, but to live To live that truth. So what does that mean? Well, on an individual level, I mean, it, most obviously it looks like confession, you know, where you go to the priest and you say, Bless you, Father, I have sinned. I'm sorry for X, Y, and Z. And, and you name the things, you name the sins, you name the diseases of the soul. So that's one very sort of obvious way of, of being humble, you know, like the leprous man going to the Lord. Um, it could also, um, I think, in a way, look in terms of the sacrament of communion. If we recognize, oh, you know, I've committed a grave sin, you know, I need to go to confession first. I'm not going to receive communion this week. Sort of acknowledgement of, of the separation and living out of that, with a view towards being reconciled to God, which is what what he desires so much and has died for. It can also look like avoiding the near near occasion of sin, which is something, it's part of the act of contrition, you know, I pledge to avoid the near occasion of sin. It means I I acknowledge my weaknesses, and I'm not going to set myself up to fail. I'm not going to put myself in a situation where there's like a really good chance, if I were a betting man, I'd bet I would sin. I'm just going to acknowledge I'm struggling with A, B, and C right now, so I'm going to avoid places x y and z or whatever that's that's living in in humility living in truth living with our weaknesses until we become stronger but it's not just something that i think we do as individuals i think that part of the beauty of lent is that it's this time where the whole church not just whole church as individuals but the whole church as the body of christ lives out this humility, this acknowledgement of sin, the need for repentance and penance, and, you know, doing this with other people makes it a lot easier. And so that's why we have Lent. We have a a, a season of penance and repentance, so that we can together practice working on the things that we're not good at. You know, that's why priests give penances in confession. It's not to forgive your sins. The forgiveness is free, and it happens when the priest says, I absolve you of your sins. Sin is no more. But not all of the damage of sin is, is repaired by forgiveness. Yes, the relationship is, prepared, is repaired. You know, Yes, we uh, faith, hope, and love are revived in, in the soul and strengthened, and that's a great thing. Um, but when we've gotten used to making bad choices we need to take the graces that we've been given and use them to make good choices. You know, it's, it doesn't make any sense to take lots of workout supplements and then never go to the gym. That's just, that would just be silly. So this season of penance is a time to, to really, I think, do the hard spiritual workout that, that we need. And so then part of humility means first asking the right question, what, what is the sin that I most need to work on? Where am I really failing to love God and love neighbor? Where is the struggle there? And secondly, what do I need to do about it? What is, the, what is the, the choices that I need to make that will actually help me to not do the things I don't want to do? As, as a priest, one of the things that I strive to do you can ask the people who go to confession to me if I actually do it. But one of the things I strive to do as a priest is to give people a penance that matches the thing they're most struggling with. You know, I have given three Hail Marys as a penance, but it's pretty rare. I could probably count on one hand the number of times that has happened. And you must be thinking, "Wow, who are those lucky people?" I <laughs> no. generally I, I give a little bit more and a little more uh, directed, um, because I, I think it's what we. What we need, and sometimes we need a lot. You know? One of the things I know uh, a lot of uh, Hope students have done in the past is part of the season of penance is Exodus 90, which is you know quite the spiritual workout in in a lot of ways. Um, and registration is still open. I, I strongly encourage you, students, to if you haven't done so to to sign up for that. It's it's a wonderful program: fellowship, prayer, sacrifice. Uh, but one of the things that I've heard multiple times in sitting in on lots of small groups, um, especially amongst the, the guys, is so many times I've heard, this is the first time in my life I've had any real success against sins of lust. And I think that sort of in, in, encapsulates in many ways the, the necessity and the goodness of penance. It's not that they didn't want to not sin beforehand. I think that desire was there. It was genuinely and sincerely there. But the thing that made it possible was doing these good works, you know, making sacrifices, praying every day, having other people to talk to and rely on and to be encouraged by and prayed for. And all of those things together conspired to actually help people be the sort of people that they wanted to be. So, the final thing that I would like to draw your attention to from the Gospel today as an encouragement to humility is to, to look at the last segment of our Gospel here. After the leper is cured, he goes away and he starts telling everybody about it. The Gospel says he spread the report abroad so that it was impossible for Jesus to enter a town openly. He remained outside in deserted places and people kept coming to him from everywhere. So if you remember the first reading, one of the things that the lepers had to do is not just say, you know, unclean, unclean. They actually had to go outside the camp. They had to stay away from people outside the town, the village, the city. To prevent you know the spread of of infection and that's part of the hardship of being a a leper you're not you're not around people i think in corona time we can appreciate that even more Um, but notice what happens because jesus cures the leper everybody comes to him and he too it was impossible for jesus to enter the town openly which means that Jesus now, in a sense, had to suffer what the lepers did because he cured them. That he too was outside in the deserted places. And that's where the people found him. They found him in the places where the lepers would be. And so if we wish to find Jesus, we have to go to those places as well. And those parts of our own heart that we would rather not be there, but is, are the places where Jesus is waiting for us. So I invite you now to close your eyes and to pray and to ask the Lord two questions. First, ask Jesus, what is the the sin or the weakness that that you really want me to work on this Lent? And secondly, Jesus, what do you want me to do about it?